Song of Time and Song of Storms by Taylor Davis. Welcome to Sobcast. I am your host, Jeff, and I am a Sob, or Seeker of Veritas. Veritas meaning truth. And of course, we always start off the show with, wait, what? There's good news? Trump is extremely unpopular with independent voters and Democrats. Gallup polling conducted over the past six weeks found Trump with a negative 27 percentage point net favorability rating among independent voters and a negative 70 point net rating among Democrats. Both marks are the worst. Both marks are easily the worst in the GOP field. Over the last six months, more than 7,500 former students have asked the government to forgive their college loan debts totaling some $164 million. They're arguing that the schools, mainly for-profit colleges whose recruiting techniques and academic credentials have come under scrutiny, defrauded them by lying about things like job placements and graduate earnings. Some students, some student loans are nearly impossible to get forgiven through traditional channels. For instance, they cannot be discharged in a bankruptcy. But in 1994, Department of Education rule makes students eligible for student loan forgiveness if the school used fraud or other illegal tactics in its recruitment. Austin, Texas, January 25th, a grand jury has indicted two anti-abortion activists in the case involving the, the bogus videos of Planned Parenthood uh, selling fetal tissue for money. Uh, the grand jury decision was a result of a probe launched last year under Texas Governor Greg Abbott, a Republican, who has accused Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood of the gruesome harvesting of baby body parts. No evidence was provided by Texas to back the claim. Boy, these conservatives are really something, aren't they? They're all in favor of the unborn. They will do anything for the unborn. But once you're born, you're on your own. <laughs> Pro-life conservatives are obsessed with a fetus from conception to nine months. After that, they don't want to know about you. They don't want to hear from you. No nothing. No neonatal care, no daycare, no Head Start, no school lunch, no food stamps, no welfare, no nothing. If you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked. Uh, the videos released last summer led Texas and other several other Republican-controlled states to try and halt funding for local Planned Parenthood operations. After a lengthy and thorough investigation by the Harris County District Attorney's Office, the Texas Rangers and the Houston Police Department, a Harris County grand jury took no action Monday against Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast. David Deleden and Sandra Merritt have been indicated by a grand jury for tampering with a governmental record and Deleden, founder of the Center for Medical Progress that released the videos, was also charged with violating a prohibition on the purchase and sale of human organs, a misdemeanor. So he got busted for trying to buy fetal tissue because because they have a uh, moratorium on purchasing human organs. So he put forward the own evidence against him in those videos, which is pretty hilarious. A San Diego naval base endorses husband of gay sailor for National Military Spouse of the Year. They didn't see us as a gay couple, they just saw us as a couple with their command, and it was, it was fantastic. 
10 News military reporter Hannah Mullins has the uphill journey to get this far. I was the kid who didn't want to be gay. But there was no denying it. So I graduated from instructor school today. It's kind of hot. <laughs> Brian Alvarado met his husband online two years ago. I'm proud that he put his head down and he did his work and he made it about the Navy and not about himself for 15 years. It is joyful that now he can have both. With his head up. With his head up. Perhaps scarier than any moment in war was going to the unit's Christmas party. Sorry, I'm gonna... That moment when you said, hi, this is my boyfriend, Brian, what is the reaction gonna be? I was sweating in my tuxedo. But he was Matthew's rock. And the unit as a whole took him in as part of the family. That empowered Brian. He transformed what was basically a wives club with facials and manicures to a true family readiness group, prepared for sudden deployment, tsunamis and lockdowns. He raised money for a sailor whose house burned down, helped sailors buy homes and vets get jobs. That's why I married him. And in an interview that's supposed to be about Brian. I'm trying really hard to cry. <laughs> it's about his husband. He doesn't like being called a hero, but there's just no denying it. Maybe that's why he was nominated. It's just an overwhelming sense of, of being thankful. And he'll find out on Monday if he makes it to the top three in the entire Navy. Search iTunes for Sobcast. Subscribe, give a rating and a review, and keep an eye out for Super Gorilla. Six responses to Bernie Sanders skeptics. Six responses to Bernie skeptics. Number one, says the skeptic, he'd never beat Trump or Cruz in a general election. Well, that's wrong. According to the latest polls, Bernie is the strongest Democratic candidate in the general election, defeating both Donald Trump and Ted Cruz in hypothetical matchups. The latest real clear politics averages of all polls shows Bernie beating Trump by a larger margin than Hillary Clinton beats Trump, and Bernie beating Cruz while Hillary loses to Cruz. Number two, he couldn't get any of his ideas implemented because Congress would reject them. Well, if both houses of Congress remain in Republican hands, no Democrat will be able to get much legislation through Congress and will have to rely instead on executive orders and regulations. But there's a higher likelihood of kicking Republicans out if Bernie's political revolution continues to surge around America, bringing with it millions of young people and other voters and keeping them politically engaged. Number three, says the skeptic, America would never elect a socialist. Please. America's most successful and beloved government programs are social insurance, social security, and Medicare. I mean, a highway is a shared social expenditure, as is the military and public parks and schools. The real problem is we now have excessive socialism for the rich, bailouts of Wall Street, subsidies for big ag and big pharma, monopolization by cable companies and giant health insurers, giant tax-deductible CEO pay packages, all of which Bernie wants to end or prevent. Number four, says the skeptic, his single-payer health care proposal would cost so much it would require raising taxes on the middle class. This is a duplicitous argument. Single-payer systems in other rich nations have proven cheaper than private for-profit health insurers because they don't spend huge sums on advertising and marketing, executive pay, and billing. So even if the Sanders single-payer plan did require some higher taxes, Americans would still come out way ahead because they'd save far more than that on health insurance.
Number five, his plan for paying for college with a tax on Wall Street trades would mean colleges would be run by government rules. Baloney. Three-quarters of college students today already attend public universities financed largely by state governments, and they're not run by government rules. The real problem is too many young people still can't afford a college education. The move toward free public higher education that began years ago and extended into the 1960s came to an abrupt stop in the 1980s. We must restart it. Number six, he's too old. Well, that's untrue. He's in great health. Have you seen how agile and forceful he is as he campaigns around the country? These days, 70s are the new 60s. He's younger than four of the nine Supreme Court justices. In any event, the issue is not age. It's having the right values. Franklin D. Roosevelt was paralyzed. John F. Kennedy had Addison's and Crohn's diseases. But they were great presidents because they fought adamantly for social and economic justice. If you like this show, please go to sovcast.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-C-A-S-T dot Tumblr dot com. And look for the donate button. It's right there at the top. I'll I'll just wait here while you go do that, okay? Hello? And now it's time for hard thrusting news. Why do I call it hard thrusting news? Because it's hard to find a news story where someone isn't getting fucked. Yes! Yes! Oh yeah! Can you feel that, buddy? Huh? 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 Three Florida residents have contracted the Zika virus while traveling outside of the United States. According to the Florida Department of Health, a Hillsborough County resident contracted the mosquito-borne illness Zika during a trip to Venezuela in December. Two other Floridians who contracted the Zika virus are Miami-Dade County residents who traveled to Columbia in December. State health officials say there are no locally acquired cases of Zika, of Zika virus in Florida. That means there are no mosquitoes currently carrying the Zika virus in Florida that we know of. Outbreaks of Zika viruses have occurred in areas of Africa, Southeast Asia, the Pacific Islands, and the Americas. The Center for Disease Control issued a travel notice for, Zika, for the Zika virus on January 15th, advising pregnant women to avoid traveling to 14 countries and territories, including Central and South America and the Caribbean, where the virus transmission is ongoing. The most common symptoms of Zika virus disease are fever, rash, joint pain, and conjunctivitis, a.k.a. pink eye. The illness is usually mild, with symptoms lasting from several days to a week. According to the CDC, a possible link between Zika virus infections in pregnant women and subsequent birth defects is being investigated in Brazil. Because, of, because the 80s species mosquito that spreads Zika virus are found throughout the world and the fact that global warming is opening up new areas for the mosquitoes to colonize, it's likely that outbreaks will spread to new countries. Fuck. Update. 
Florida Governor Rick Scott declared a state of emergency in the four counties where people have been diagnosed with the Zika virus. The four counties are Miami-Dade, Hillsborough, Lee, and Santa Rosa. There have been nine people in total who have been diagnosed with the Zika virus in Florida, though healthcare officials believe that all of them contracted the disease while outside of the U.S. Scott said he wanted the, the state to be prepared for the chance that the virus could start to be spread from mosquito to person within the state. The Aedes aegypti, mosquito that is the primary vector of Zika virus infection, is present in the southeast portion of the country, including Florida, though in winter the mosquito populations are low. Scott made a statement. Although Florida's current nine Zika cases were travel-related, we have to ensure Florida is prepared and stays ahead of the, Zika, of the spread of the Zika virus in our state. Our Department of Health will continue to be in constant communication with all county health officials, hospitals, and the federal centers for disease control and prevention. Uh, we know that we must be prepared for the worst, even as we hope for the best. There have been no reports of the virus being transmitted from mosquito to person in the United States, though officials are concerned that small outbreaks could happen as the weather warms. A rare case of sexually transmitted Zika virus was reported in Dallas on Tuesday by the local health department. Scott's executive order requires the state health officer to take any action necessary to protect public health and allows the commissioner of agriculture to issue a mosquito declaration in the affected counties to reduce populations of the insects that can spread the disease. Yes! Yes! Oh, yeah! Can you feel that, buddy? <laughs> if you like this show, please go to facebook.com slash sovcast, sovcast.tumblr.com, or twitter.com slash seeker, the letter O, Veritas. A Department of Justice watchdog officially condemned the DEA this month following a report that the agency has recruited a TSA security screener to search bags for cash that the DNA, uh, DNA, DEA could confiscate. The very existence of such a partnership highlights much broader concerns about the controversial legal practice known as civil asset forfeiture, which critics say contorts law enforcement priorities and props up a system of policing for profit. In a summary of its investigations, the DOJ's Office of the Inspector General concluded that the agreement violated DEA policy on a number of levels. While the OIG determined that the TSA inform, inform, informant never provided any actionable information to the DEA, it concluded that the plans to pay the agent out of the cash he or she helped seize could have violated individuals' protection against unreasonable search, searches and seizures if it led to a subsequent DEA enforcement action. Or well, boy, you think? In effect, the OIG was questioning the propriety of an arrangement in which the TSA agent would use his or her power to tip off the DEA to, to the presence of cash in travelers' luggage, and then receive compensation based on how profitable that information was to the agency. Robert Everett Johnson, an attorney for the libertarian public interest law firm Institute for Justice, 
says the same criticism could be made about the entire practice of civil asset forfeiture, which allows enforcement officials to seize a person's property, including cash, cars, jewelry, and houses, without obtaining a conviction or even charging the owner with a crime. Would there be anything else, sir? Yeah, I emptied the register and put the money in the bag. Excuse me? So give me your money and all of it and don't fuck with me! Now move! This really is what we've seen every day around this country. When law enforcement takes property using civil asset forfeitures, law enforcement is able to keep the property and use it to fund their budgets, and in many cases, even to pay the salaries of people who are overseeing the forfeitures, said Johnson. That creates an obvious financial incentive to take property from people who haven't done anything and haven't been proven to have done anything wrong. It creates an incentive for all kinds of abuse, he added. Civil asset forfeiture has become a critical source of revenue for law enforcement over the past decade, with state and federal agencies now taking in hundreds of millions of dollars in property and likely more each year. Cash has meanwhile emerged as a favorite target for police, even if it's just hundreds or thousands of dollars. Transportation hubs are a particular point of focus for the DEA. In 2015, OIG reports found that from 2009 to 2013, the DEE seized $163 million in 4,138 individual case seizures, many of which were contested and later overturned. So not only are they stealing people's money and property, which the people probably need, then the victims have to waste money on a lawyer and the taxpayers have to waste money on all the court expenses. Aren't you just pleased as punch at your tax dollars at work? The agency has also come under fire in recent cases that involves agents seizing cash from airline and train passengers, and in some cases, allegedly shaking them down. In the Justice Department report from January, the OIG also called out the DEA for paying an Amtrak informant nearly $1 million over two decades to provide them with passenger information that was already available to the agency. Once again, aren't you just pleased as punch at your tax dollars at work? Law enforcement officials regularly tout civil asset forfeiture as an important tool for fighting the drug trade because it allows them to go after property directly without any evidence of criminal behavior on the part of its owner. Whoa, wait a minute. So we've pretty much done away with the whole innocent until proven guilty thing for so-called terror suspects. But now for the rest of us, it's assumption of guilt without any evidence necessary more than you're probably worried about credit card fraud. And what's the excuse? Drug traffickers, they say, are smart enough not to carry cash and contraband at the same time. Well, tough shit. You're the drug enforcement agency, not the cash enforcement agency. So the next time you forget which substance you're supposed to be on the lookout for, just take a look at your own agency's name, and that should give you a fucking clue. Of course, it's not actually illegal to put a few thousand dollars into a checked bag, but in the mind of some drug warriors, an individual carrying a large amount of cash must have attained it illegally, even if the authorities can't 
prove it. Especially if the bag belongs to a minority. Hey! Shut up! Sorry, sir. But really, how much farther must this vomiting stimulus program called the War on Drugs be allowed to limp along before it's put out of its misery? Well, actually, all of our misery. Yes! Yes! Oh, yeah! Can you feel that, buddy? Several red states are trying to fight against marriage equality by passing discriminatory laws against homosexuals. Aversion therapy is banned in many states, but Oklahoma is dead set on allowing parents to try to electroshock their kids into being straight. Hey! We don't take kindly to your types around here! HB 1598 explicitly states that mental health counselors may engage in sexual orientation change efforts with any patient, including those under 18 who are forced in forced into the therapy by their parents. The bill also consciously refrains from outlawing the use of aversion therapy to change patients or patients orientations. Then helpfully outlines what such tre- such treatments might involve. Aversion therapy means any counseling by a mental health provider that exposes or asks a client or patient to undergo physical pain, such as electroshock or electroconvulsive therapy, touch therapy, pornograph- pornography exposure, or vomit induction therapy in order to change sexual behaviors or gender identity expressions and or to eliminate or reduce sexual or romantic attractions or feelings towards individuals of the same sex. And to up the fucked up level, Oklahoma Republicans want to forbid suicidal LGBT kids from meeting gay-friendly therapists. Oklahoma legislatures are trying to pass an expressively cruel bill that will bar depressed LGBT youngsters from seeking gay-affirming counseling at school. The State House bill proposed by Republican Sal Kern is part of a slew of anti-gay legislation she wants to pass, which would sanction discredited gay conversion therapy and prevent HIV-positive people from getting married. You're a cunt. You're a cunt now. You've always been a cunt. And the only thing that's going to change is you're going to become an even bigger cunt. LGBT kids raised in homophobic households have higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. And public school counselors who can connect them with the right LGBT-friendly groups and gay-affirming therapists provide a critical lifeline. The bill states that no public school counselor, therapist, social worker, administrator, teacher, uh, lunch lady, recess attendant, or other individual will be allowed to refer anyone under 18 to any person or organization if the referral pertains to human sexuality. While the restriction would end when a person turns 18, Oklahoma lawmakers have ensured anti-gay harassment and discrimination will continue to torment young people in college by making it legal for student groups on college campuses to openly discriminate. 
maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Yes! Yes! Oh, yeah! Can you feel that, buddy? Proponents of the secretly negotiated Trans-Pacific Partnership, which lets companies force governments to get rid of their labor, environmental and safety rules, and confidential tribunals. That word, tribunals, usually means something's bad is going to happen. Just, just saying. But they say it's all worth it because it will deliver growth and jobs to the stagnant economies of the world. But a new working paper from Jerome Capaldo and Alex Izurita Economists from Tufts University's Global Department and Environmental Institute and Jomo Kwame Sundaram, formerly the United Nations Assistant Secretary General for Economic Development, takes a critical, independent look at the economic modeling performed by the TPP's proponents and finds it's based on a set of nonsensical, non-standard assumptions about how economies perform. I think a lot of people sniffed the TPP out for the bullshit it was, and like most organized crime, it was conducted in a secret, dark rooms, away from prying eyes and sunlight. The researchers revisited the pro-TPP research using a realistic set of modeling assumptions, based on the widely accepted United Nations Global Policy Model, GPM. When they rerun the numbers on the TPP's impact on jobs, they come back with a stark finding. Developed nations that sign TPP can expect to hemorrhage jobs by the tens of thousands, and poor countries will gain few, if any, jobs from those losses. TPP will generate net losses of GDP in the United States and Japan. Economic gains would be negligible for other participating countries, less than 1% over 10 years for developed countries and less than 3% for developing ones. Those projections are similar to previous findings that the TPP gains would be small for many countries. The TTP would lead to employment losses in all countries with a total of 771,000 lost jobs. The United States would be the hardest hit with a loss of 448,000 jobs. Developing countries participating in the agreement would also suffer employment losses as higher competitive pressures force them to curtail labor incomes and increase production for export. The TPP would lead to higher inequality as measured by changes in the labor share of national income. The authors foresee competitive pressures on labor income combining with employment losses to push labor shares lower, redistributing income from labor income to capital gains in all countries. In the United States, this would exacerbate a multi-decade downward trend. In other words, wages go down and capital gains on stock investments go up, siphoning increased labor production profits from the poor to the rich. Those fuckers won't be happy until the guillotine comes back into fashion. Just look up the history behind Bastille Day. The TTP, uh, no, the TPP would lead to losses in GDP and employment in non-TPP countries. In large part, the losses in GDP 3.77% and employment 
878,000 among non-TPP developed countries would be driven by losses in Europe, while developing countries' losses in GDP 5.24% and employment 4.4 million reflect projected losses in China and India. Now, a lot of these... Hold on a sec. A lot of these cultural crimes I've been complaining about can be blamed on the baby boomers. Something else I'm a little tired of hearing about. The baby boomers. Whiny, narcissistic, self-indulgent people with a simple philosophy. Give me that, it's mine! Give me that, it's mine! These people were given everything. Everything was handed to them. And they took it all, took it all. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and they stayed loaded for 20 years and had a free ride. But now they're staring down the barrel of middle-aged burnout, and they don't like it. They don't like it, so they've turned self-righteous. And they want to make things hard on younger people. They tell them abstain from sex, say no to drugs. As for the rock and roll, they sold that for television commercials a long time ago. So they could buy pasta machines and Stairmasters and soybean futures. Soybean futures. You know something? They're cold, bloodless people. It's in their slogans. It's in their rhetoric. No pain, no gain. Just do it. Life is short. Play hard. Shit happens. Deal with it. Get a life. These people went from do your own thing to just say no. They went from love is all you need to whoever winds up with the most toys wins. And they went from cocaine to Rogaine. And you know something? They're still counting grams, only now it's fat grams. And the worst of it is, the rest of us have to watch these commercials on TV for Levi's loose-fitting jeans and fat-ass docker pants. Because these degenerate, yuppie, boomer cocksuckers couldn't keep their hands off the croissants and the haagen And their big fat asses have spread all over and they have to wear fat-ass docker pants. Fuck these boomers! Fuck these yuppies! And fuck everybody, now that I think of it. Sometimes in comedy, you have to generalize. Yes! Yes! Oh, yeah! Can you feel that, buddy? Huh? 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 Colorado School District pushes Christian purity training for 11-year-old girls to find future husbands. Uh, creepy puritanical bullshit much? Would this antique mindset i'm guessing after the purity training they're gonna go to the doctor and get leached and finish the day with a nice witch burning (laughs) parents in colorado have complained that a school district used its email system to advise a christian event which uses bible lessons to encourage girls as young as 11 to stay pure while looking for a husband Colorado blogger Ann Landman first reported that the Western Colorado atheists and freethinkers had been contacted by parents after Mesa Valley School District 51 sent out an email promotion for an event called Wake Up Sleeping Beauty, Worship at His Feet. Uh, 
That sounds more like one of those articles about waking up your boyfriend with a blowjob. And uh, I did see a church sign once that said the most powerful position is on your knees. Maybe the faith has changed since I was a kid. Figures. I missed all the free loving fads. The flyer for the event includes the silhouette of a girl's face with a Bible verse from Luke 7.38. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Caution. The Bible includes language and descriptions of events that may trigger abused women's PTSD. Discretion is advised. The program, which is put on by June Fellhauer's Wake Up Ministries, promised that girls will want to change their Facebook status to the one who worships at his feet. Hmm. I think that's the name of a category on Pornhub, if I'm not mistaken. A video posted to the Wake Up Sleeping Beauty Facebook page encourages fathers to protect her purity. The video shows a father watching over his daughter as she puts on makeup. Chris Hansen has our latest investigation, and again, we want to warn you that some of it is explicit. In promotion videos on the Wake Up Ministries websites, Fellhauer warns girls about the gag reflex. Play soundbite, record needle. Uh, play soundbite, clone high, say what? Play soundbite, family guy, Stewie, say what? Play soundbite, say what again? Hold on, guys. Now, I was just kidding about the whole catch a predator thing, but this sounds like some real pedo shit and, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, warns girls about the gag reflex caused by kissing with your tongue. Still pretty weird. Sorry I got all bent out of shape, but even the male Bible thumpers must have snickered about the whole girls warning girls about the gag reflex thing. Ladies, a good rule of thumb is to do a Google search on anything that sounds even a little dubious, or run it by any male between the ages of 14 and 70. One girl, one girl declares on the video, I think Wake Up Sleeping Beauty is an amazing program, especially going through the time that I was being cheated on. That was really hard for me, but it also made me realize a lot that I needed to forgive him, and he didn't have any of the qualities I was looking for in a husband. I really, really hope that wasn't one of the 11-year-old girls saying that. But it was the imagery from the flyer sent out by District 51 that parents found so disturbing. The idea of a girl, she she's crying at a man's feet, then using her hair to wash his feet, then kissing his feet, seems pretty demeaning to me, one parent said. Apparently, the irony of this imagery used to promote an event which purports to strengthen and support girls slash women is lost on all involved. That complaint was quickly dismissed by the school board, saying, Having reviewed the flyer and KHBR per your request, we do not find that the flyer promotes any religious organization or demeans a person or group on the basis of gender. Well, oh, wait. Once again, I picked something up on my telepathic microphone. Randy! Get your ass in the kitchen, fire up that stove. You got some cooking to do. Yes! Yes! Oh, yeah! Can you feel that, buddy? Huh? 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 Arms for a leper. Arms for a leper. Arms for an ex-leper. Arms for an ex-leper.
podcaster. If you like this show, please go to sovcast.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-C-A-S-T dot tumblr dot com. And look for the donate button. It's right there at the top. I'll, I'll just wait here while you go do that, okay? Hello? And now, because sometimes there's more news than time, it's High Cyclic News. An 8th grader in Killeen, Texas schools was suspended for two days for helping a classmate who collapsed while suffering an asthma attack. I broke the rules, but she needed help, said the student, Anthony Rulas. The unidentified girl was in class when she started complaining about not being able to breathe, telling the teacher she was having an attack. According to the teacher's own statements, she dealt with the situation by sending the school nurse an email. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are! You know, because nothing says life and death like an email. Seems like the situation could have at least warranted an instant message. Anthony proceeded to go over and pick her up, saying, Fuck that! We ain't got time to wait for no email from, from the nurse. Though she did not endorse her son's language, a way to focus on the important details there, Mom, Cortez said she appreciated his actions. Yeah, because if you say fuck in a life and death emergency situation, some poor middle schooler's virgin ears might start bleeding. But despite already informing her about the suspension on Tuesday, she added the school contacted her on Wednesday asking why Rulas was not at school forcing her to remind officials that he was barred from campus. Mrs. Cortez went on to say, especially with it being an alternative school, I feel like the kids hear enough of their bad or their behavior, she said. And now for, and now for them not to be rewarded for really something that is brave, you know, he is a hero to me. Police in Vermont may soon be allowed to scroll through motorist cell phones without a warrant to search for evidence of texting while driving. A 2014 state law bans the use of handheld devices while driving, but one lawmaker wants to strengthen the statute by giving police broader powers during traffic stops. State Representative Martin Lalonde, Democrat South Burlington, introduced H-527, but the lawmaker admits that he hasn't really thought about what might constitute probable cause for the warrantless searches. He said, essentially, it's show me your text log. Lalonde said he doesn't want his bill to allow officers to take a driver's phone and rummage through the device in their squad car, but critics of the measure say there's little to stop police from doing just that. The bill is an amendment to a ban enacted two years ago, which covers all portable electronic devices. Critics say Lund's bill would allow police to search tablets and laptops in addition to phones without obtaining a warrant during traffic stops. Now, I remember several reports of horny cops going through people's phones and emailing sexy pics and videos to themselves before giving the phone back. So this law is basically open season for pervy cops to steal some of your most personal data. The bill assumes that drivers automatically consent to warrantless searches of their electronic devices simply by driving on Vermont roads. But several recent court cases suggest Lalonde's measures face constitutional hurdles. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 
Chimel versus California that officers may perform warrantless searches during an arrest to protect material evidence or their own safety. But that standard doesn't appear to, to apply to drivers stopped on suspicion of texting while driving. The court also ruled in Missouri versus McNeely that police must obtain a warrant for a blood test for drivers who are lawfully arrested for driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol. That ruling suggests that drivers do not waive all their constitutional rights when they hit the road. Chief Justice John Roberts also found in Riley versus California that smartphones hold for many Americans the privacy of their life. And he suggested that privacy should be protected by the U.S. Constitution. I, yeah, no shit. The fact that technology now allows an individual to carry such information in his hand does not make the information any less worthy of the protection for which the founders fought. Roberts ruled in the, in the, that particular case. Search iTunes for Sobcast. Subscribe, give a rating and a review, and keep an eye out for Super Gorilla. Bernie Sanders slams texts dodging Walmart heirs, saying they thank you for paying taxes, so they don't have to. It seems to me that um, I have been criticized a lot. I've been criticized a lot because people say, well, you know, Bernie's ideas are really good. We like the idea of creating jobs. is good. But, you know, how is he going to pay for it. You know, this is, these are expensive propositions and how is he going to pay for it? So I want to, just to give you an example of what a rigged economy is about. I mentioned the Walton family, the wealthiest family in the world, being very appreciative that you are supporting them. They're very happy about that. And they asked me to send you their thanks. <laughs> I mean, they're only worth 60 or $70 billion and they do appreciate you paying taxes to help them subsidize their workers. But here's how we're gonna pay for that. This is how we're gonna pay to put 13 million Americans to work rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure. Today in America, we are losing $100 billion every single year because large corporations are stashing their profits in the Cayman Islands and other tax havens. In other words, they make billions, they don't pay taxes in America, you pay taxes in America. My guess is that most of you are not stashing your bank accounts in the Cayman Islands. Is that a fair assumption? Okay. And here's the reality of what goes on. Reality. The total federal income taxes paid by General Electric, one of our large corporations, Boeing, very large, and Verizon since 2008. All those three corporations add up to less than zero. Three major profitable corporations not only pay nothing in federal income tax, they actually got a rebate from the IRS. These three corporations received a combined tax rebate from the IRS of more than $4.1 billion from 2008 to 2013, even though they made a combined profit of more than $102 billion. Three major corporations made over $100 billion in profit, paid nothing in taxes, 
and in fact got a rebate from the IRS. That's how we are going to pay to rebuild our infrastructure, put millions of people to work. These guys are going to start paying their fair share of taxes. Come on in. All painless is waiting. If you like this show, please go to facebook.com slash sovcast, sovcast.tumblr.com, or twitter.com slash seeker, the letter O, Veritas. And now it's time for elementary graduate. The joke here is, if you came out of the elementary canal, it means you're a piece of shit. You know, you really are an asshole. Why don't you just shut up and sing this song, pal? Come on By Dennis Leary. Flint, Michigan. The rich get richer and the poor get poisoned. Republican Governor Rick Schneider released some staff emails on January 20th showing that he was well aware the Flint citizens were slowly being poisoned following a decision by the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality to force them to live with lead-tainted water. Those emails, however, were heavily redacted, including one dated over two years ago on January 3rd. 2014. That was completely blacked out by the governor's advisors over both pages. I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. Why, why any state governors have the ability to redact anything? We're not talking about national security here. A state government is not subject to the same type of espionage as the CIA, NSA, FBI, or the military. Everything they do should be a matter of easily accessible public record. Just saying. <sighs> Frustrating. Out of over 270 pages of communications released, one comment was stunning in its admission of how shabbily complaints over the water were being treated by state workers. According to the New York Times, Schneider was informed in one email that a state nurse told one young mother not to worry about the damage being done to her child when her son's blood showed an elevated lead level. The nurse reportedly told the worried mom, It's just a few IQ points. It's not the end of the world. Holy shit. <laughs> That's horrible. According to whistleblower Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha, if you were going to put something in the population to keep them down for generations to come, it would be lead. The state of Michigan and Flint have already come under attack for using a poster created by the state's Department of Health and Human Services informing parents that it was safe to bathe their children in the contaminated water. Despicable. While the poster was pulled, because it was despicable and they realized it, an advisory remained on the state's website informing residents that the water is safe for, for use for washing because lead in bath water will not soak into your skin fast or at high levels. If you believe that, I have some magic beans to sell you. If you're of the mind that Michigan was hard hit by the recession and just doesn't have the money to deal with such a situation, let me enlighten you to the fact that Governor Rick Schneider gave $1.7 in tax cuts to the wealthy in his state. Behold, 
the American politician, the best investment money can buy. Governor Schneider's administration has until February 9th to turn over all communications regarding Flint, dating back to 2011. We'll see how much of that shit is redacted and unreadable. I'm guessing it's going to be at least 50%. Search iTunes for Sobcast. Subscribe, give a rating and a review, and keep an eye out for Super Gorilla. Carly Fiorina is staggeringly full of shit. For years, she's been replacing her cells bit by bit with bullshit, and her DNA is a twisted strand of monkey feces and money. You may ask, Jeff, why such vitriol? Well... Republican presidential candidate Carly Fiorina, a staunch opponent of abortion, made at least $83,000 serving on the board of directors of Merck and Company. At a time when the pharmaceutical company was producing vaccines using fetal stem cell lines derived from, can you guess? Aborted fetuses. The program, Inside Story, with Ray Suarez, also obtained documents including that during Fiorina's tenure on the board, anti-abortion groups had asked Merck to stop producing such vaccines and that the company had refused. Fiorina has been openly supportive of vaccines derived from fetal stem cells, at least since her California state run in 2010. She served on Merck's board from April of 1999 through December of 2000. The Fiorina campaign did not respond to requests for comment. Merck confirmed Fiorina's tenure on the board, but said it does not retain the relevant compensation records for that time. Very convenient. In addition to the $83,000 Fiorina received over her two years on the board, the company's SEC filings indicated she was to receive an additional $1,200 for each board meeting she attended. Fiorina's tough anti-abortion stance briefly sent her soaring in the polls. After a Republican candidate's debate in which she dared President Barack Obama and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton to watch what she said was a video in which Planned Parenthood medical personnel harvested tissue from an aborted fetus, the heart of which was still beating. The campaign was never able to produce a video matching her descriptions. You mean politicians lie for personal gain? I'm so heartbroken. If you like this show, please go to facebook.com slash sovcast, sovcast.tumblr.com, or twitter.com slash seeker, the letter O, Veritas. Trump is a fucking clown. Several leading veterans activists and supporters denounced Donald Trump's hastily arranged fundraiser for veterans in Iowa as a political ploy. Paul Rykoff, founder and CEO of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, said in an interview, The politicization of veterans' issues is at an all-time high. We hope all candidates can focus on veterans' policies and veterans' issues and not just use veterans as a political prop. Good luck with that. The fundraisers grew out of Trump's decision to this week to back out 
of the Fox News sponsored Republican presidential debates because of his temper tantrum over the choice of one of the moderators, news anchor Megyn Kelly. Very scary. <laughs> The GOP frontrunner has criticized Kelly's relentlessness in several demeaning and vulgar ways since her questioning of him in an earlier debate. I believe it was something about her being on her period. Something like that. So Trump runs away when he meets a woman he can't intimidate or rape while pulling out chunks of her hair. Search iTunes or YouTube for Sobcast episode 10 to hear that story. Anyways, several groups, including Rykovs, have pledged to reject any money raised by the Trump event. VoteVets.org, a pro-veterans group with a liberal agenda, said in a statement, Don't hide from Megyn Kelly behind us. The Trump campaign could not be reached for comment. That has to be the first time that Trump has not been able to be reached to make a comment. Um, questions have swirled around the fundraiser set for Des Moines Drake University, which, if any veterans group have been involved, how will whatever money is raised be distributed? On Trump's website to solicit funds for the veterans, DonaldTrumpForVets.com, a disclosure at the bottom indicates that donations go directly to the Donald J. Trump Foundation, a nonprofit 501c3 organizations. Veterans advocates were skeptical of the sincerity of Trump's debate night fundraiser because they said the New York real estate billionaire, along with most of the 2016 candidates, have said little about veterans issues and how to pay for the increasing cost of their care. All you have to do is listen to their rhetoric. Support our troops, not support our veterans. When you're off dying to bolster the cause of corporate greed, they love ya. When you're just another spent shell casing, they give no fucks. Gary Augustine, executive director of the Disabled American Veterans, said in an interview, I don't think he's come forward with any substantial plans. I just hope it's something good for veterans and not just politics. Well, Gary, to answer your question about Donald Duck Dick's motives, pri wait, what was that, Gary? Yeah, I said Donald Duck Dick. Well, it's, well, a duck's dick looks like a corkscrew, so it's an apt metaphor for how twisted and dickish Trump is. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you think it's funny, but the people listening can't hear you over this microphone, so I, I'm sorry, I have to get back to the show. I'm sorry. Thank you. Bye. Anyways, prior to setting up his own personal debate, ostensibly to raise money for veterans groups, Donald Duck Dick received a letter from a Queens, New York veterans organization asking for a donation so they could help homeless vets. What they received instead was quite different. A bumper sticker reading, Trump, make America great again. According to Veterans-in-Command President Larry Robertson, the group sent off a request to Native Son Trump over a year ago asking for a donation for the cash-strapped organization that deals with assisting homeless vets. But they received nothing from the billionaire businessman until last week when the bumper sticker came in the mail with a handwritten note reading, Unfortunately, we are unable to make donations from the campaign. The note continued, Mr. Trump is very passionate about giving veterans the best life possible, and was signed Team Trump. And to further ram home the fact that Trump is a taker, not a giver, according to Robinson, since that time they have received requests from Trump's campaign to support the candidate 
which the veterans find puzzling. We never wrote to his campaign, Robertson explained. Now they want us to get out there and campaign and be on his team. Trump came under harsh criticism from Veterans Group for using them as a cover to avoid the last GOP debate on Fox News because the network refused to remove Trump's nemesis, Megyn Kelly, scary, as a moderator. Oh, well, what's that? I think it's what my dear old grandmother would have called a pussy. But wait. We're not done with Donald Duck Dick just yet, because Trump retweeted a message from a Nazi-sympathizing white supremacist. <laughs> Donald Duck Dick took to Twitter to insult one of his Republican opponents, former governor from Florida, Jeb Bush. After lands basting Bush for being a low-energy low guy, kind of, kind of is. Please clap. Trump retweeted another user's Photoshop picture of a disheveled Bush holding a vote for Trump sign outside of the Trump Tower. The problem, however, is that the account he retweeted, retweet, retreated, retweeted appears to be operated by a Nazi sympathizing white nationalist. The account at white genocide TM tweets obsessively about white women allegedly raped by various minority groups. That's, that's the usual trope from these fuckers. Africans, here's a quote, Africans and Muslim rape more than anyone else, reads one of his, one of the user retweets. Don't let them in. Many of the tweets are accompanied by hashtag rapefugees, apparently a combination of the word rape and refugees. That's fucking classy. The account also dabbles in support for Nazi Germany. Hash, yeah, one of his quotes, another tweet read, Hitler saved Europe. You snot-nosed, twerp, scumbag, fuck-faced, dickhead, asshole. That's just really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Duck Dick also has the support of other prominent white nationalist groups. According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, two prominent white nationalist groups have been making robocalls in support of Duck Dick. In addition, the SPLC writes, former KKK Grand Wizard David Duke has endorsed Trump, as has Andrew Anglin's Daily Stormer, Kyle Rogers, the former webmaster for the White Nationalist Group Council of Conservative Citizens, or CCC, which some think, you know, CCC sounds k -k -k, like KKK. I don't think they're wrong. But anyways, is they are, the CCC is selling Trump t-shirts online and Brad Griffin, the CCC's current webmaster, regularly praises Trump in his writings. This is not the first time Trump's Twitter account has interacted positively with white nationalists. In November, the Republican candidate retweeted a graphic fallacy stating that 81% of whites who are murdered are murdered by blacks. In reality, the actual data shows that 14% of white murder victims are murdered by a black person. So let that be a lesson to you white people. White people are the biggest danger to white people. <laughs> so, 
And wait, holy shit, we still have more ductic news. Trump's spokeswoman defended calling Obama head Negro by blaming liberals on Twitter. Interesting. I want to take a moment now to ask about some tweets that have appeared on your verified account. You'll remember that my colleague Brian Stelter asked you about a particular tweet you made saying that we need, in your words, pure breed presidents. You dismissed that as silliness and you noted that uh, people in the Twitter sphere call you half breed. But, But I want to draw your attention to two other tweets that we found somewhat alarming, I'll be honest with you. October 4th, 2012, you wrote hashtag 2012, choice Mormon or jihadi, clear enough. Then on March 3rd, 2013, you wrote, this corrupt country has a head Negro in charge. Both the wording of those, but, but also the allegation in effect there. How do you defend those tweets? Well, absolutely. You know, as an activist, we spend most of our time, particularly in 2012, fighting off liberal activists and other establishment activists. So, of course, you could pull any of those tweets out of one of those heated discussions because a lot of time it's in the sphere of fighting off other liberal activists. Oh, good for you. And I got to tell you, it's interesting that this has made some sort of news cycle when we have all of the things that are happening in the world, including a presidential race, to go back to 36,000 tweets pull them out of context of the discussion and try to make that a news story. That's where we are today in the media. It's very biased. And it's, it's, that is exactly why Mr. Trump is not participating in one of the debates tonight. Well, I, I'm just asking you to, to, to defend the specific language sure. that you use. You're saying that that language responded to other offensive language that was part of the conversation? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, things get very heated in politics. And there were two candidates that I was defending in 2012. One of those was Senator Ted Cruz, and the other was House Speaker Newt Gingrich. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. So in those fights, and there's been a blog post on this in 2012 outlining a lot of those Twitter trolls that we were fighting against. For me, you're somewhere between a cockroach and that white stuff that accumulates at the corner of your mouth when you're really thirsty. (sighs) That's enough Donald Duck dick for one segment. for a podcaster. If you like this show, please go to sobcast.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-C-A-S-T dot Tumblr dot com. And look for the donate button. It's right there at the top. I'll, I'll just wait here while you go do that, okay? Hello? A Washington woman was critically injured after being shot in the chest when a man fumbled with his gun during a showing of the Benghazi movie 13 Hours, The Secret Soldier of Benghazi. According to the authorities, the 29-year-old man who dropped the gun appeared to be intoxicated as he entered the landing theater in Renton, but bolted after the gun went off. That's right, another intoxicated, responsible gun owner. One eyewitness said it got about 15 to 20 minutes into the film, and I believe the lady in front of us that got shot was actually talking to her husband or significant other, and that's when we heard a loud pop. The witness who asked not to be identified, adding that he was sitting three to four rows behind the man when the gun went off. Another witness who also asked not to be identified stated, there was a gunshot and we thought it was a light bulb exploding in the theater, so no one really reacted. That's 
sounds dumb. I don't just that sounds dumb to me. Sorry. Following the shooting, multiple witnesses saw a man get up quickly and leave through the exit. The unidentified woman was taken to a nearby hospital where she is listed in critical condition. The police stated that they received a 911 call from the shooter's father Thursday evening telling them his 29-year-old son, who was distraught, and that he admitted he had dropped the gun. According to him, he said he dropped the gun and it went off. David Liebman of the Renton Police Department added that the man is currently in custody. Just, just a question here. Does this count as a good guy with a gun? I mean... He, he wasn't a terrorist and he wasn't some mad shooter, but he did end up shooting someone because he was drunk. Does that, does, does that count as a good guy with a gun? I poop too much and then I get tired. A Georgia Republican is sick and tired of hearing criticism of the Confederacy, and he's introducing legislations intended to preserve its remaining symbols around the state. Republican State Representative Tommy Benton is sponsoring bills to recognize Confederate Memorial Day and Confederate Governor Robert E. Lee's birthday as state holidays. And also... He's wishing to restore the names of roads honoring Confederate soldiers that have been changed since 1966. He also wants to change the state's constitution to prevent things such as the proposed Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial from distracting from the Stone Mountain State Park, which is intended to honor the Confederacy. Benton said, I'm I say, I say, I'm tired of the anti-Confederate rhetoric toward Stone Mountain and any other Confederate monument that's out there. Several southern states, including Georgia, and a number of retailers removed Confederate flags and other symbols after a white supremacist who displayed the flag gunned down nine black worshippers at a Charleston, South Carolina church in June. Benton said, I refer to that more as a cultural terrorism than anything else. They're attacking us for no reason at all. We've not done anything to provoke them or anything else. By them, I assume you're referring to black people, Mr. Benton. So, yeah, what did Whitey ever do to anger black people? Except use them as farm equipment and sex slaves for a few hundred years before they were freed through fighting a war. Then after the war, you just made sure they were marginalized, kept uneducated and poor, while crackers like you enjoyed the oh-so-delightful pastime of picnicking with the wife and kids under the swinging corpse of a lynch negro. Oh, and if the children were extra good, they could even take a piece of the corpse home as a souvenir. Then after that, you blue-eyed devils fought tooth and nail to keep black people from ever integrating into the American culture as a whole. And let's not forget the voter suppression, automatic assumption of guilt, the redlining of housing and services in majority white suburbs, the media's portrayal of black people as primitive, unintelligent, and dangerous, which has led to the police being so suspicious and scared of black people that they make a habit of stopping black people with nebulous cause and then beat them or shoot them with the slightest wrong move or mention of their rights to the basic protections of our Constitution or to their right to have a any shred of dignity. So, yeah. Other than that, what's the problem, black people? Benton, a retired middle school teacher, often sponsors bills to honor the Confederacy and its leaders. 
this guy was molding the minds of the future. Let's just hope this evil prick wasn't teaching history. Benton insists he's not a racist. Kind of like a lot of racists do. If you have to say, oh, I am not a racist, you're probably a racist. But the former teacher also says the Civil War had little to do with slavery and denies the Ku Klux Klan was racially motivated. That is like jaw-dropping bullshit. <laughs> I can't believe that shit. Yeah, right. And the Nazis were just travel agents that thought the Jews needed to take one of those health nut spa vacations. You know, go on a little diet, get a little workout. Get a hot mist shower that's to die for, and a nice hot fire to finish off the day in total relaxation. Benton suggested that his legislative opponents, which include many black Democrats, are racist for opposing his measures to honor Confederate figures as American heroes like George Washington. So he's, this guy's comparing Confederate heroes to George fucking Washington. He went on to say, we're entitled to our heritage, just like other people are entitled to theirs. And there seems to be an attempt to do Confederate cleansing. Well, well, I say, I say, I have a message for Mr. Benton, now that he's done dripping dung out of his mouth like that episode of South Park, where Martha Stewart shoved a whole turkey up her bunghole. It's from a previous episode of Softcast where I elaborated on my thoughts about that rag of a flag and his dear confederacy. Once again, Florida. I'm sensing a pattern. Florida and Texas. Hmm. I definitely know how it feels. Um, my wife and I are both from Michigan, and now we live in Florida. And there's a huge confederate flag we have to pass every time we go to our friend's house. And every time, we both give it a very vehement middle finger. And I also typically give it a fuck you, fuck you, fuck you mantra. Uh, next Memorial Day, they should cut it into strips, wipe their asses, burn the filth on filth, then flush it down to where it belongs. That's just my opinion. A local member of the Sons of the Confederate Veterans, John Adams, said that while he respects Chambliss and Sims' right to political speech, he questions their choice to hold the event on Memorial Day. That's a day for soldiers, said Adams, who had nine relatives who fought for the South. Respect the day and let our boys who gave their lives rest in peace. Well, here are my thoughts. The dead do nothing but rest in peace. And besides, this is a day to honor American soldiers who fought for the United States of America. They always talk about how the Civil War was the most costly war in American lives, but I disagree. The Confederates didn't want to stop being slave-owning pieces of shit. They didn't want to be a part of the United States of America, so I don't count them amongst the American dead. So burn it, toast it, and roast it. Ye motherfucking ha, y'all. I poop too much, <laughs> and then I get tired. Search iTunes for Sobcast. Subscribe, give a rating and a review, and keep an eye out for Super Gorilla. A New Hampshire man seeking to get back to the original Constitution was arrested by the FBI on Wednesday after he purchased grenades from an undercover agent, telling him he had another $200,000 on hand to buy C4 explosives and rocket-type stuff. 
Daniel E. Musso Sr., 54, of East Kingston, was taken into custody for the possession of an unregistered firearm. According to the authorities, in early 2015, Musso provided a local firearms dealer with $6,000 and a wish list of items he wanted to purchase, including guns, large amounts of ammunition, a gas mask, grenades, and rockets. These are a few of my favorite things. When you asked... When asked by the dealer what type of grenades he was seeking, Musso reportedly told him, The best you have. After alerting the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, sounds like a good party, a meeting was set up between Musso and an FBI agent where he indicated that he wanted to purchase six fragmentary-style grenades and expressed an interest in buying rocket-type stuff. According to the investigation affidavit, Musso allegedly claimed he could sell large quantities of grenades and thought he belonged to a group of people bringing back the original Constitution, while noting that he feared the government might be aware of his of their efforts. <laughs> Musso also asked about high-powered C4 explosives, adding that he had up to $200,000 to buy, quote, what we need. This is not Musso's first run-in with the law. In two th- <laughs> not surprising. In 2013, Musso was tasered by police when he disrupted an anti-gun rally by heckling a gun victim's father as he spoke out about his murdered daughter. Fucking classy. We know that when there is a gun in the home of a domestic abuser... Hey, excuse me. There's no sun. You should take your glasses off. We can see your eyes. There you go. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. And what are you preaching here? My right. Your right. Which right to that? It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. We can express our opinion. Take your glasses off. My neighbor. I did. We know that when there is a gun in the home of a domestic abuser, a woman is 500 times what more likely to be what killed. Kind of gun are you talking here? And we know that in the states are you where background a checks. Gun or a machine gun? What kind of gun? No, I ain't gonna step back. What kind of gun are you talking here? All kinds of guns. Well, no, it doesn't say that in your speech. Now, Donald, it wouldn't be worth it. We're not going to give you your way. No, it's not going to be worth it. And we know now, no we know that in the States where background checks are required What's for all these? gun purchases, no, no, no. there is a 38% decrease no, in the rates no, no. of homicide domestic violence. This is why this is why I stood with others' fathers who lost their children in the Newtown shootings to ask Senator Ayotte to change her vote. It is why I delivered petitions to her office signed by hundreds of New Hampshire voters to support stronger laws and limits access to guns and explosives by suspected terrorists. And it is why just over an hour ago... I delivered a list of more than 6,000 names to Senator Ayotte's office in Manchester. Listen. The names I delivered were the names of young people like my daughter, Melissa. Sir, please have a little respect at this I am moment. Respect Thank you. you. But if, you had, if you had this speech in your mind, you wouldn't have to read all this propaganda shit in front of you. You're done? No, I'm not done. I'm not done either. They are the names of young children like the ones killed in Newtown on December 14th. 
They are the names of those who have been killed by a gun in six months since Newtown. They are the names that we need to remember and that why Granite State's staters have spent the day reading these names out loud. I guess these names don't exist according to you. But the list is so long already with the total number climbing higher today is unacceptable. But one of the things that I learned from my daughter's death is that is not enough to say why this you is wrong. You're talking about this. You're not in truth. You're not in truth. I'm fine. I don't need help. We must act to make it better. That is why I'm inviting Senator Ayotte to take a second look at these proposed laws and at the very least make suggestions to make them better and more effective. It is why I'm asking Senator Ayotte to stand with her constitutes and not with the gun lobby. So I urge all who feel as I do to let Senator Ayotte know that we expect her to act in our best interest, in the interest of public health, public safety. As a father, one of the most important responsibilities is to be all we can do to protect our children and keep them safe. I was unable to do that with my daughter when we were ambushed by her husband. But I am doing it now for her child and for yours. Please join me because we can make our homes and our communities safer. And we must do that. Thank you for being here and having the courage to stand up. Boy. This Musso guy is a real piece of work. Some would say... You shit-kicking, stinky, horseman-horse-smelling motherfucker, you! You dirt-eating piece of slime! You scum-sucking pig! You son of a motherless goat! Yeah, that's my message for you. Fuck you and kiss my ass. You're an emotional fucking cripple. Your soul is dog shit. Every single fucking thing about you is ugly. You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off face. I don't like your jerk-off behavior. And I don't like you, jerk-off. I poop too much. <laughs> and then I get tired. Arms for a podcaster. If you like this show, please go to sovcast.tumblr.com. That's S O V C A S T dot Tumblr dot com and look for the donate button. It's right there at the top. I'll I'll just wait here while you go do that, okay? Hello? And now it's time for Oedipal Earth. Don't frack my mother. Don't frack my mother. As a record-breaking sailor, Dame Ellen MacArthur has seen more of the world's oceans than almost anyone else. Now she is warning that there will be more waste plastic in the sea than fish by 2050 unless the industry cleans up its act. According to a new Ellen MacArthur Foundation report launched at the World Economic Forum, new plastics will consume 20% of all oil production within 35 years. That's up from an estimated 5% today. 
plastic production has increased 20-fold since 1964, reaching 311 metric tons in 2014. It is expected to double again in the next 20 years and almost quadruple by 2050. Despite the growing demand, just 5% of plastics are recycled effectively. That sucks. While 40% end up in landfills and another 33% in fragile ecosystems such as the world's oceans. Much of the remainder is burned, generating energy, but causing more fossil fuels to be consumed in order to make new plastic bags, cups, tubs, and consumer devices demanded by the economy. Decades of plastic production have already caused environmental problems. The report says that every year, at least 8 metric tons of plastic leaks into the ocean, while it is equivalent to dumping the contents of one garbage truck into the ocean every minute. If no action is taken, this is expected to increase to 2 per minute by 2030 and 4 per minute by 2050. In a business-as-usual scenario, the ocean is expected to contain 1 ton of plastic for every 3 tons of fish by 2025, and by 2050, more plastic than fish by weight. The carelessly discarded plastic bags can break down in the sea, especially in warmer waters, but the process releases toxic chemicals that may be digested by fish and end up in the human food chain. Yummy. Research, released a year ago, found there were more than five tons of plastic pieces floating in the seas many just five millimeters across. Larger items can be a threat to sea life, such as turtles and seals, which swallow them. And according to some reports I've seen, the smaller bits are swallowed in droves by the smaller fish. So, scientists have also found that countless tiny fragments drift to the bottom of the ocean, carpeting the seabed. The environmental and health impact of this is unknown. The report concludes that the plastic industry is comprehensively failing to address these issues. Dr. Martin R. Stuchti of the McKinsey Center for Business and Environment, who helped produce the report, said a wave of innovation could be transformative. That's true of almost any, any industry. Stuchti said, plastics are the workhorse materials of the modern economy, with unbeaten properties. However, they are also the ultimate single-use material. Growing volumes of end-of-use plastics are generating costs and destroying value to the industry. After-use plastics could, with circular economy thinking, be turned into valuable feedstock for recycling. The plastics recycling industry is also reeling from the recent plunge in the price of oil. At $30 a barrel, it is more expensive to recover plastics than it is to use virgin crude to make more. Solving the problem will not be easy, especially as the industry is under pressure to produce more and to meet growing demands for emerging markets. Bioplastics are currently more expensive to make than petrol alternatives, and recycling systems are inefficient. MacArthur, who broke the record for the fastest solo circumnavigation of the globe in 2005, says fundamental reform is needed. Her vision is for a new plastic economy in which the industry, governments, and citizens work together to ensure that plastics never become waste and cut the leakage into our natural systems. MacArthur went on to say, linear models of production and consumption are increasingly challenged by the context within which they operate, and this is particularly true for high-volume, low-value materials such as plastic packaging. 
One part of the solution is to rethink the way goods are packaged, cutting the demand for plastic. Water-soluble film, for example, can be used to wrap small items. Hard-to-recycle plastics such as PVC and expandable polystyrene could be phased out. Manufacturers could redesign plastic items so they could be reused better and rethink the production methods to make recycling easier. More products could be made out of plastics which can be composted on an industrial scale. The report admits, however, that a moonshoot approach is also needed to create plastics that can be both recycled and composted. The report admits, however, that the moonshoot approach is also needed to create plastics that can be both recycled and composted. Currently, it is just one or the other. Other options are to develop bio-benign plastics or chemical tagging to stop used plastics slipping through the system and into the sea. Under the sea. Some men just want to watch the world burn. If you like this show, please go to facebook.com slash sovcast, sovcast.tumblr.com, or twitter.com slash seeker, the letter O, Veritas. And now it's time for my science, history, and technology segment I call Cool Shit. This time, it's another installment of Fuck Cancer. A promising clinical study shows that the turkey tail mushroom improves the immune system of breast cancer patients. The multi-year study, funded by the National Institutes of Health, tracked whether or not turkey tail mushrooms could positively affect the immune system of patients rebound after they ended their radiation therapy. Immunity, as measured by the number of lymphocyte cells and natural killer cell activities, usually declines dramatically after radiotherapy. Natural killer and K cells protect us from tumors and viruses. Researchers at the University of Minnesota Medical School and Bastyr University Research Institute hypothesized that breast cancer patients' health can be improved after radiation therapy if natural killer cell counts increased quickly to attack remaining cancerous cells. The study titled Phase 1 Clinical Trials of Tremides Versicolor in Women with Breast Cancer, recently published in the ISRN Oncology Journal shows that turkey tail mushrooms can augment conventionally, conventional therapies for treating breast cancer by increasing natural killers and CD8 plus T cell activity. Natural killer cells and CD8 plus T cells are T lymphocyte, a type of white blood cell, that kills cancer cells, cells that are infected particularly with viruses or cells that are damaged in other ways. This study suggests that turkey tail mushrooms are an effective adjunct to conventional chemotherapeutic medicines and radiation therapy. Due to its long history of therapeutic use, turkey tail prepared and packaged as an immuno immune therapy drug is unlikely to be patentable, deterring big pharma from conducting costly clinical trials. Typically, the longer the historical use of natural medicines for treatment and ailments, the less likely drugs from these natural products will be patentable. To fill this research gap, the NIH established the Natural Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicines which funded and oversaw this study. The NIH's interest is not surprising. Like I said in a previous episode, 70% of new drugs for the last 20 years originate from natural sources. What are turkey tail mushrooms? 
This superabundant colorful mushroom grows on dead trees, logs, branches, and stumps. These mushrooms of the polypore family grow throughout the world, particularly wherever trees can be found. In fact, turkey tails are some of the most common wood-growing mushrooms found on the planet. The natural killer cells promoted by ingesting turkey tail mushrooms also target virally infected cells. Moreover, Turkey tail mycelium excretes strong antiviral compounds, specifically active against human papillomavirus, or HPV, which causes cervical cancer, and the hepatitis C virus, which causes liver cancer. Viruses that induce cancer are called oncoviruses. The virus-to-cancer connection is where med- medicinal mushrooms offer unique opportunities for medical research. The current thinking amongst many researchers is that the turkey tail mushrooms and other medical mushrooms lessen the odds of getting cancer by reducing causal cofactors such as oncoviruses. What products are available in the USA? While the fractionated drug version of the turkey tail mushrooms, known as PSK, is not legal to sell in the U.S., the pure turkey tail product used in the U.S. NIH breast cancer clinical study is widely available from Places like Fungi Perfect, www.fungi.com, under the label Host Defense. Since this turkey tail mycelium is presented in its unaltered form, it qualifies as an FDA-approved nutraceutical. In this form, it can be advertised in the United States and Canada as a supplement to support the immune system. Getting this nutraceutical on the shelves of health food stores lets physicians and patients access another tool to battle cancer, increasing the population and activity of NK cells and other lymphocytes and ensuring antioxidant effects against free radicals can both limit damage to the healthy cells and reduce inflammation. These are some of the distinct advantages to using mushrooms in cancer therapy. Nature is a numbers game. The turkey tail helps tilt the balance in the complex battle to overcome cancer. Now, they mentioned inflammation. Uh, Most people don't know inflammation is one of the leading causes of cancer. Inflammation causes cell damage. Cell damage leads to cancer. Another factor to consider is that turkey tail mushrooms, like other varieties, can hyperaccumulate heavy metals, especially from air and soil pollution. Uh, I think some people in Flint need some turkey tail fucking mushrooms. Holy shit. <sighs> we need to get on that. We need to tell those people who are buying them bottled mushrooms to send them some bottles of mushrooms, too. Bottled mushrooms. I said bottled. Bottled water to send them some bottled mushrooms, too. Analysis of mushroom products from Asia, particularly mainland China, have shown abnormally high levels of cadmium and other immunocompromising agents. So, don't buy from Asia. Uh, compromising metals. Not a good thing for people who want to bolster their immune defense. This is one reason why it's important to find certified organic mushrooms and mushroom products. That said, another good characteristic of turkey tail mushrooms and many other mushrooms like shiitake is that they can also accumulate selenium from the environment. When mercury meets selenium, they form a biomolecular unit that is totally non-toxic. In closing, I'd just like to say, whatever you do, don't go out and try to pick your own mushrooms. Identifying mushrooms correctly is tricky business, even for some experts, and should be left only to the professionals who are willing to risk it. So unless you laugh at the face of death and enjoy a good game of Russian roulette, get all your mushrooms from reputable sources. Oh, shit! 
Search iTunes for Sobcast. Subscribe, give a rating and a review, and keep an eye out for Super Gorilla. Strololo by Edward Hill. And now it's time for Darwin Weeps, stories about dumb people that would make Darwin weep for the future of our species. Last week, members of the lower house of the Russian parliament, or Duma, considered a new bill banning homosexuals from public displays of affection. They would be fined for kissing in the street or holding hands on the subway. Homosexuality, the bill authors contend, is a Western idea ideology planted in the minds of Russia's young people in order to reduce the country's population. If they're talking America and Western Europe, that's ridiculous that it's a West, that homosexuality is a Western ideology. Now, if they're talking, you know, Western civilization, you know, talking about, about the, the Greeks and the Romans, well, then maybe they got a point, but still, it's not to reduce the country's population that is asinine. Search iTunes for Sobcast. Subscribe, give a rating and a review, and keep an eye out for Super Gorilla. By Edward and our next story, wife says, I get no fuck, you get none chucked. Sandra Early Kelly, 51, was charged with aggravated domestic violence after police found her husband with blood all over him and spattered up the walls of their home in Charlottesville, South Carolina. The victim was watching television in the living room on Sunday evening when Early Kelly came in and asked him to go to bed with her. Ring, ring, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Early Kelly, who, according to the Charlotte Observer, had been taking Xanax that night, started throwing ceramic figurines at her husband in furious rage. Xanax? Xanax makes you go into a furious rage? Uh, she must have had a bad reaction or, or something happens to you when you overdose. Fuck. When I take Xanax, I take a nap. That's what happens. The husband said, she kept coming at me, assaulting me with whatever she could pick up. Early Kelly allegedly then picked up a pair of nunchucks and started hitting her husband in the face and head. When police arrived, she said she did not know why the apartment was covered in blood or how her husband had suffered the injuries. The victim, who police said appeared to have defensive wounds on his arms, refused to be taken to the hospital. Early Kelly showed officers cuts on her abdomen that looked to be self-inflicted. She was taken to the hospital before being booked into Rock Hill City Jail, where she was charged with aggravated domestic violence. Early Kelly spent the night in jail and was released Monday on $15,000 bond. If you like this show, please go to facebook.com slash sovcast, sovcast.tumblr.com, or twitter.com slash seeker, the letter O, Veritas. Strololo by Edward Hill. And our next story, I'm tired of these motherfucking guns on this motherfucking plane. The Transportation Security Administration said Thursday that it has intercepted 2,653 guns at airport security checkpoints in 2015 alone. The TSA said the figure is 20% increased over the number of guns that were captured by its agents in 2014, and also the highest number of firearms that have been intercepted in one year in its history. The airport with the most gun instances in 2015 was Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport in Texas, which had 153 guns captured according to the TSA officials. The second busiest airport for gun incidents at TSA checkpoints was Atlanta-Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport, which had 144 guns intercepted. 
Houston's George Bush Intercontinental Airport, Denver International Airport, and Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport rounded out the TSA's top five with 190 and 73 gun incidents, respectively. TSA rules prohibit passengers from carrying guns in their carry-on luggage. Wow, I, I did not know that. That's amazing. Under the agency's rules, firearms must be packed into checked luggage and unloaded. The unloaded is also very important. Passengers who wish to travel with firearms should inform themselves about laws pertaining to the possession and transport of firearms in the depart- departure state, destination state, and any state where they might have a connecting flight, the agency said. The telepathic microphone's picking something up again. It is the thoughts that this TSA agent had after making that s- the statement I just read. I'll, I'll read it for you. It doesn't matter how many action movies you've seen. A gun doesn't give you magical kill the bad guy powers, you imbecilic, incestuous fox. Arms for leper. Arms for leper. Arms for next leper. Arms for a podcaster. If you like this show, please go to sobcast.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-C-A-S-T dot Tumblr dot com and look for the donate button it's right there at the top i'll i'll just wait here while you go do that okay hello song of time and song of storms by taylor davis and now they're not important but they are funny weird entertaining or at least good enough to make it into the news it's n3 news an anonymous troll mocked Eamon Bundy on Craigslist, posing as the organ occupation leader and offering his ubiquitous plaid rancher's jacket for sale at a bargain price of $50,000 or 200 cartons of cigarettes plus snacks. The mock listing, since removed by Craigslist, sad, included a photo of Bundy wearing the jacket as well as an address where it could be picked up. 1120 Southwest 3rd Avenue, number 307. That would be the Multima County Jail in Oregon. Beneath the picture of Bundy wearing the jacket while fixing the fence were directions to the jail and a description. Slightly used blue plaid wool jacket. Worn 24 hours a day for the last 26 days to weather it out in Burns, Oregon. Due to sudden lifestyle change, I've decided only to wear orange jumpsuits. A couple of snags from barbed wire, some odors of sweat, beef jerky, gun oil, personal lubricant, and sedation. Includes one pocket copy of the U.S. Constitution. Careful wearing this in any Western-themed gay bars, because this unit is hot. $50,000 or will consider trade for 200 cartons of cigarettes or some snacks. The condition of the jacket, described as Mormon militia style, was listed as fair. Search iTunes for Sobcast. Subscribe, give a rating and a review, and keep an eye out for Super Gorilla. Song of Time and Song of Storms by Taylor Davis. School trustees in a conservative community near Fresno are battling to save a dress code that currently prohibits boys from wearing earrings or having their hair long. Uh, excuse me, folks, but the 1950s ended 66 years ago. 
Just thought you should know because it's making you look a little out of touch and old mannish. Get off my lawn. On Wednesday, the Board of Trustees for the Clovis Unified School District voted to strike down changes to the current decades-old dress code, even though it may violate state law. Despite the looming threat of litigation by the American Civil Liberties Union, the board voted 4-3 to three to keep the dress code as is. Melissa Fairless, <laughs> interesting interesting and appropriate name, stated at the board meeting, Let's get real. What we're doing is looking at a lawsuit if you don't vote for this. I'm sick and tired of the ACLU. Because of them, I can have a male come into my daughter's bathroom. I'm so tired of my rights and my conservative values being trampled on because of this gender quality. Stand up for what Clovis believes in and say, We are going to take this to court and we are going to fight this. First, I'd like to remind you that you said I can have a male come into my daughter's bathroom, which I have to say is a bit weird of you to say. And then, of course, there is the time-honored conservative hullabaloo of unless I can discriminate against others, my rights are being violated. That's the type of logic that would make a constitutional scholar wax poetic about ritual suicide during the Japanese shogunate. Board members Ginny Havsapian and three others voted against updating the dress code and said Clovis residents should feel free to break the law if they don't like it. <sighs> she wanted to say, This community is being assaulted from afar with what I believe is an overreaching law regarding gender equality. I believe it's un-American to run from a fight for a good cause. Just because it's a law doesn't mean we need to put up with it. If we don't put up a stand at this point, then it's just one domino after another. Okay, just in case you forgot, this story started off with a dress code that currently prohibits boys from wearing earrings or having long hair. I honestly almost forgot while editing this story what the story was about. Um, anyways, parent Isabel Muchado was the only parent in attendance who spoke out against the decision. She said, Honestly, I'm just shocked. I heard when I moved out here that this was Clovis, and I, didn't, and I sometimes still hear that I live in Clovis. But guess what, Clovis? It's 2016. Later adding, I don't understand how the current policy cannot be deemed equally overreaching. Parent Kent the Ratchet vomited this lovely gem. To allow our boys to have long hair and earrings in the name of gender equality, you know, what else does that open us up to? Well, Kent, I'm guessing you think it opens you up to butt sex, and I'm guessing you think about it a lot. One high school senior, William Pleasant, said he almost wasn't allowed to enroll in classes because of the length of his hair and said... They have an image of how men should look, and since I wasn't following that, I was being denied my education because of the way I chose to present myself. I think they don't like Mr. Pleasant because of his last name, for they surely seem to be unpleasant. William was eventually allowed to enroll and keep his long hair after the district made an exception because he was African American. Um, William, you'd better grow some eyes in the back of your head around those rednecks. And good luck to you. If you like this show please go to facebook.com slash sovcast, sovcast.tumblr.com, 
or twitter.com slash seeker, the letter O, Veritas. Arms for Lepa! Arms for Lepa! Arms for Lepa! Arms for a podcaster! If you like this show, please go to sovcast.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-C-A-S-T dot Tumblr dot com. And look for the donate button. It's right there at the top. I'll, I'll just wait here while you go do that, okay? Hello? Song of Time and Song of Storms by Taylor Davis. I decided to end this show with a bit of a light-hearted, heartwarming story that my wife recently told me about a woman who was sitting at home one day, minding her own business, when a dog suddenly appeared. This is the story the woman told. An older, tired-looking dog wandered into my yard. I could tell from his collar and his well-fed belly that he had a home and was well taken care of. He calmly came over to me. I gave him a few pats on his head. He then followed me into into my house, slowly walked down the hall, curled up in the corner, and fell fast asleep. An hour later, he went to the door, and I let him out. The next day he was back, greeted me in the yard, walked inside and resumed his spot in the hall, and again slept for about an hour. This continued off and on for several weeks. Curious, I pinned a note to his collar, saying, I would like to find out who the owner of this wonderful, sweet dog is, and ask you if you were aware that almost every afternoon, your dog comes to my house for a nap. The next day, he arrived for his nap with a different note pinned to his collar that said, He lives in a home with six children. Two under the age of three, he's trying to catch up on his sleep. Can I come with him tomorrow? And that's it for our show today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Hopefully, we'll do it again together real soon. In the meantime, I am Jeff. I am a seeker of Veritas. Check out my Tumblr page at sovcast.tumblr.com. That's S O V. C-A-S-T dot Tumblr dot com Thank you Foxtrot Uniform Charlie Keeler by Bloodhound Gang If you like this show, please go to sovcast.tumblr.com.
tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-C-A-S-T dot tumblr.com. And look for the donate button. It's right there at the top. I'll, I'll just wait here while you go do that, okay? Hello? Song of Time and Song of Storms by Taylor Davis. I decided to end this show with a bit of a light-hearted, heartwarming story that my wife recently told me about a woman who was sitting at home one day, minding her own business, when a dog suddenly appeared. This is the story the woman told. An older, tired-looking dog wandered into my yard. I could tell from his collar and his well-fed belly that he had a home and was well taken care of. He calmly came over to me. I gave him a few pats on his head. He then followed me into the into my house, slowly walked down the hall, curled up in the corner, and fell fast asleep. An hour later, he went to the door, and I let him out. The next day he was back, greeted me in the yard, walked inside and resumed his spot in the hall, and again slept for about an hour. This continued off and on for several weeks. Curious, I pinned a note to his collar, saying, I would like to find out who the owner of this wonderful, sweet dog is, and ask you if you were aware that almost every afternoon, your dog comes to my house for a nap. The next day, he arrived for his nap with a different note pinned to his collar that said he lives in a home with six children. Two under the age of three, he's trying to catch up on his sleep. Can I come with him tomorrow? And that's it for our show today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Hopefully, we'll do it again together real soon. In the meantime, I am Jeff. I am a seeker of Veritas. Check out my Tumblr page at sovcast.tumblr.com that's s-o-v-c-a-s-t dot tumblr dot com thank you Foxtrot Uniform Charlie Keeler by Bloodhound Gang